This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the series being covered here would not exist. Welcome to the Artie's Attic Warehouse 13 fan cast, where a steampunk girl, a lifelong sci-fi fan, and a rocket scientist chat about the popular 2009 sci-fi series. There's never a dull moment with the agents dedicated to protect humankind from unexplained phenomena that manifest their powers in special objects. And there's all those friendships and relationships along the way. Grab a cookie while you can. Hope you don't smell fudge. Gear up with your Farnsworth Tesla and Neutralizer. And let's have some fun by snagging it, bagging it, and tagging it. Welcome back to Artie's Attic, a Warehouse 13 fan cast. I'm the Warehouse 13 janitor. Who do you think cleans up after Artie when he makes all his replica swords? I'm SP. And joining me is the original lead Artie's Attic agent, who would have much preferred to keep this DC episode confined to the museums of Washington, D.C. It's Agent Shannon. Actually, I'd be all over the place. All over the place. I got to go there in a few weeks. I want to go. Take me with you. Okay. I volunteer. We'll make that happen. (laughs) I love D.C. And she just spoke up, the rookie agent tonight, who discovered she is actually Artie's Attic red shirt, is Agent Carolyn. Hey, why am I the red shirt? shirt? (laughs) No, actually, my shirt is green tonight. It's metaphorically, Carolyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you can guess already what my favorite line of this show is. I'm so glad you got that red shirt compliment comment. Me? You know I'm going to get it. No, I was was quoting... um, I oh, yeah, he's so show. happy. He's like, I am so happy. He was very happy Micah got that reference. I'm so happy you and got that like, reference. I'm not a red shirt. By the way, on this show, we are continuing our discussion on the show that premiered two years before the popular parental avoiding Snapchat at debuted. Mm. Really? <laughs> really? Wow. Both my girls have Snapchat. Mm-hmm. I've heard. That's why I threw that in there. We're talking about Warehouse 13, Season 1, Episode 7, Implosion. Pete, played by Eddie McClintock, and Micah, played by Joanne Kelly, rejoin their Secret Service detail in Washington to intercept a samurai sword that's about to be given as a gift to the president. They expect the mission to be a quick swap with a decoy, but instead discover that someone else is out there, also trying to collect objects that belong in the warehouse. This episode premiered August 17th, 2009. Shannon, this has to be one of your favorite episodes so far. It is, when did it premiere? August, August 17th, 2009. I was still, I was pregnant with Michaela when this came out. Oh, that makes me feel old. Okay. <laughs> She's born in January of 10. I was definitely pregnant. You know what? It, it is because we're getting closer to the end of the season. You're starting to see another player. Yes, the nemesis. I know. Now you have more of a backstory behind Artie. I think each one of them get better as they go, but you've always heard me say that. So I like definitely the red shirt comment because, you know, it's Star Trek and who wouldn't? I did think of you when I heard that. I know, right? You're like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Were you uh, happy SP? The first thing he said was go ha- snag it, bag it, and tag it. So that yeah. made me think of you. I was, it, it was, it was really cool at the beginning, you know, with uh, Pete playing with the sword and faking, you know, getting stabbed. And then at the end of the episode, you have already actually getting stabbed, getting stabbed because it's the only way you could get the sword and everything. So it was mirrored in there and everything. I like yep. this episode. It was a really cool episode. I'm going to spoil it because I usually do this at the end. This is my second favorite episode so far. Number two out of seven. And the only one to beat it is... Claudia. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to beat Claudia. That's true. I mean, <sighs> Claudia. And, and you can see him. Well, he, she never showed up, right? Because he called her on the phone. I need you. But she never came. No, she just was. She was out. Yeah. 
that episode. She, she was, was not in this episode. Uh, Lena took the phone call. Mm-hmm. I like, again, that you can tell that Mike is actually starting to get kind of ticked off at him for being so secretive. Mm-hmm. As anybody would. I mean, you're putting your life on the line. You should at least tell me what I'm out here doing, right? But he, like Lena said, he's been so long with, with only relying on him and Mrs. Frederick. And try not to get so close because they always end up. There's a quote, and I can't remember the way it goes. It's either crazy or dead. But there's another, there's a third thing. But they say it later on in the season. But she's getting ticked off because he's sending them out with no information because he's not trusting them to do the job. Like when he mumbles to himself and you could tell that the wheels are turning, but they want to be involved in it. But he just like leaves. I totally get that. That that would be, I would set that like smack crap out of him but it would be i would right and i would hold him still like tell me what's going on (laughs) very infuriating that's for sure like come on dude why don't you finish a sentence and let us know what your full train is before you go off without the train and then you just expect us to find the train and pick up where you went right (laughs) and speaking of smack and i loved the i love the part in this in where the Agents are taking them back to the warehouse, to the airport, and she's like, "Give me the gun, shoot him!" Like, pee pee. he's like, "No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not." He's like, "She's like, give me the gun, give it. I'll yeah. do it. I'll do it, you sissy. I'll do it." And then you know, you see the the Fonsworth go off. I mean, not Fonsworth, but the Tesla lightning. Thank you, yeah, lightning. Tesla. Yep, the lightning in the car. And he gave you signals. <laughs> <laughs> Strike victim. As they said uh, beforehand, hey, I want to pick up a paper. And then they crash into the paper thing that was there. That was kind of funny. And it was funny in the beginning, you know, Pete's playing with the samurai sword because he sees it and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I have to play with this because, you know, Pete touches everything. I love, I love how he mouths everything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he was like mouthing an, oh, like an old like kung fu movie, just mouthing everything. Oh, hello. And then Micah comes in, must you always touch or play with everything? Must you always play with everything? And he's like, yes. Sounds like Sean. Yeah. yeah. Most guys. Most guys. You gotta play play with with everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the nemesis appeared in this episode, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Played by the wonderful Roger Rees. And he has been in a lot of stuff. So in my lifetime, he is beloved for his appearances on Cheers, 17 episodes of Cheers, five Mm -hmm. episodes of West Wing. He does seven episodes of Warehouse 13, and he has a total of 93 acting credits over his career, uh, one of which was included in the movie The Scorpion King as well. So he has been around both in film and TV, most notably for TV, though. I think he's a good actor. He's a good nemesis for here, but that just means we're getting one more episode closer to him releasing my favorite recurring actress that's on this episode, that's on the season. (laughs) Well, I guess technically next season she comes in, but you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you get to, you discover that, that because he's obviously, he has a Tesla, obviously he knows the secrets of the warehouse. So Eventually, they're going to put two and two together and realize that he was a warehouse agent. Well, I think they say that, don't they? That it was like Artie's it was Artie's partner, partner or something, yeah. wasn't he? Artie's partner, and uh, we find that there was a woman involved because you know guys have to fight over gals. McPherson is Artie's partner and best friend, and of course they fought over Carol or Carolyn or whatever her name. I think it was Carol. Her it's name was Carol. Carol. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Things didn't end well between the two of them. Even Carol, though, when we see her in the show, she's like, you haven't changed a bit, Artie. You're still secretive. So even for as long as she can remember, he's been that way. So it's not just with Micah and Pete that he's super secretive. He's been that way. But he was also because we learned that he was a cryptographer. (laughs) Yeah, he was a, a cryptographer and a decoder. For a long time. Yeah, he worked, so, worked for the NSA. So NSA. he is not a Secret Service agent. He is an NSA employee or was an NSA employee. They're not agents, by the way. They're employees. So I can see 
how he needs this team of secret service people to actually go out, have the authority with the badge and be able to go out in public because most people that work for the NSA, not exactly the best with people, not exactly the best with the world and that sort of thing. Very math heavy, very introverted and everything. And that defines Artie. So this episode starts to define who Artie actually is and not a secret service agent because most secret service agents are outgoing they're detectives. They're very inquisitive. They have good critical thinking. Not that Artie doesn't, but it's just the outgoing detective lawman sort of thing with Secret Service and the ability to go into the background and just, you know, mold into the background. That's not Artie. You know, Artie's in the room. Not to mention he walks around the bag everywhere. But you're describing it in a Sam like that sounds like a, like a serial killer. <laughs> you're introverted. <laughs> Quiet and knows all the details and keeps to yourself. And yeah, that's somebody living in mama's basement right there. (laughs) Well, and usually uh, Secret Service agents will um, finish their sentences. And most NSA people like speak in half sentences and things because their brains go on so many miles an hour that there's that the thoughts don't come out. So most NSA people, you know, a lot of NSA people. I don't. I'm just going by what your description was. But I I know a couple. I watch a lot of murder mystery shows. I know. (laughs) And I watch, I know, I watch a lot of TV. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's from TV. Okay. (laughs) Like a TV nerd. Yeah. (laughs) I'll admit I know several hundred (laughs) NSA employees. So there you go. What you just said, it's funny that you talk about how he doesn't complete his sentences. And Mike is so ticked off all the time because she, because he doesn't do that, right? He just he he jab, he mumbles to himself and then he disappears. Later on in season three, and I even I don't remember the name of the episode, but even in season three, there is a, a scene where he's mumbling and she's mumbling, and the the woman that plays Pete's mom, Kate Milgram, she's like, "You realize you haven't completed a sentence, right?" I'm just saying this because it gets to the point that Micah starts to speak Artie. Yeah. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. But my, in this episode, Micah has a point because at the very end, even Artie, he's talking to his boss and he's like, they don't need to know anything. I'm like, ah, I don't. So I had a couple of issues, you know, the red shirt comment, Artie saying that. And also Dickinson, he's like, you want to tell me what's going on? I think at that point in time, you tell Dickinson at least a little bit of what's going on yeah. with the it's warehouse. It's crazy. I, I want to come back, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, at <laughs> least to get his help in certain things. because Yeah. And, yeah. And to know what he's, what he's up against. I mean, to know why that they need this piece of the sword that, what's it, the Suba that piece of the samurai sword so that, that it can't do the harm. And just to, I mean, they didn't have to tell him exactly everything. They could tell him, Hey, this this Suba part is going to make the rest of the sword, like do something really bad. So if you let us have it, we're going to keep you safe because it's really bad. I mean, they didn't even know what the sword. No, they did know what the sword did. They know what the sword did by that time. I don't know if they did. I don't remember if already had. Yes. Already showed him. They knew, but yeah. To be fair, on on their side, Dickinson has proved that he can't keep the secret, and he goes and he tries to snoop. So if if they were to tell him the things that they were not supposed to tell him from from the warehouse, he's already proven that he will take that and try to use it to try to his advantage to try to find him. So I kind of get both ways. You got to learn how to be secretive, but you got to learn who to trust your your team and. And Artie was definitely being secretive. And now whenever they lay down the envelope full of all of all of his background. I'm surprised, you know, you, you would think that's going to be the time that Mike is going to break. But but now they're just they don't want to listen to it. They want to. And even in the, and even at the end, they're still defending him. So I just think it's good information because now would be a good time, even though he is so secretive with them. They need answers too from him, and now that uh, now they need to sit down and have a powwow and explain because I wouldn't be able to work for somebody I can't trust. Yeah, 
Did you guys see talking about the folder the picture of a young Saul Rubin in there? I did. Like that must have been like a profile picture for him as a younger actor, right? That's what he looked like when he played on TNG. Yeah. So he was using our his portfolio, and you see that from time to time that you know the headshots that are used or actual pictures of actors growing up or whatever. Now with CGI, it's a little less real life and you can add certain things in there but this was real this was this was a young Saul who plays Artie and I did enjoy seeing that I do have a question about that so Mrs. Frederick fixed everything right ah she made it all disappear since this is a secret service sort of thing they do have access to the president why didn't they just get the president to pardon him because the president changes and even he's not allowed in on the secret. Yeah, but Mrs. Frederick can pull that string, I'm sure, and get right. the but, get but him think, to pardon think about, Artie. Think about this. Think about this. In order to have the president pardon you, you have to explain to the president what exactly you do. No, oh, there you is just that. you trance him with an object and you say sign this, and it's all <laughs> over. There's sure to be an artifact for that. I mean, just find it in the warehouse. You'll be fine. True, they have them, but rightly so. You shouldn't let anybody with that much power know about it because that's when things go south. Mm, yeah, okay. but see, they could just have him, you know, do it and then wipe his memory because I'm sure there's an artifact. I'm for sure. That. And then he wouldn't even know that he did it, but there'd be a piece of paper that says he did it. Right. You're not supposed to be. I get it. But but think about that in, in, in terms of. Or the last one we have and the one we have now. Would you want either one of those to know the secret of the warehouse? No. Well, one would be good. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about forgetting, you guys like the ice flower? (laughs) Oh, that was cool. That, uh, yeah. There's not very many of these. So do we call that an artifact? Or, because I was trying to keep track of all the artifacts we had in this one, because we had several. I don't remember so that So we one. had the sword. The 14th century Chinese firework that memorizes oh, the that viewer. One. I'm like, I don't remember a no, flower. mesmerizes. Not memorizes. It mesmerizes yes. them. Mesmerizes. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. the snakes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes them, it gave them about 10 minutes where they just wouldn't remember whatever was happening. Yeah. That was pretty cool. 10 minutes. It seems like they were there longer than that. <laughs> You'll light another one. <laughs> right. And you also had the implosion grenades, which were made, but they were technically from blueprints that I think were artifacts. I don't know, because they had that guy, this electrician, whoever he, well, was, because whatever, whatever. He's dust now. Yeah, I know. He's just a pile of dirt now. Whatever that was. I don't know if that was a was that a Tesla that he used to make him dust? I don't think the Teslas do that, do they? So no, he had it, to have a different artifact. So he's been McPherson is the oh, person that oh, I'm guessing does. was there. He Which, has other artifacts and yes. he ended up, that guy must have helped them with other projects because he said, Ooh, is that another gadget that I get to tinker with? So it sounds like, it sounds like, they may have brought other things to him to like reverse engineer, see if they could make something else with it. You can hear t- already talk about, oh, I thought you, you know, I think he said it was Eric. You, you swore you weren't going to do yeah. this anymore. Eric has been around for a while. He is like a third party contractor for the warehouse. I don't think the implosion bombs were actually artifacts. I just think they were a high powered badness, right? That does horrible things. Well, you saw the, the actual blueprints from, for them. Yeah. Right. And I there think was the blueprints. blueprints were artifact blueprints. Maybe. Maybe. Because they do some horrific damage. Or maybe they were something that, like, you know, because they had to build the Tesla off of something. They had to build a Farnsworth off of something. So making the blueprints for those, maybe the implosion device was also part of those blueprints along with, like, the Tesla and the Farnsworth and those sort of things that they use. And then they used them once and went, whoa, we should probably not use these. Okay. I got a question because I've a short term memory, right? I've watched this so many times. Have we watched the episode where they did the Vaughnsworth? We haven't, have we? No, no. This, <laughs> we, 
We've seen the third Tesla right now, and we've got two Farnsworths. That's it. I've, to my defense, I've seen this series so many times. I don't remember if I watched that episode with you guys or if I just have just watched it so many times. But okay, we're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get there. Wait for it. Wait for it. Something that you do like, though, is history. I know. So the sword, which I'm going to butcher this name, but it's the Hanjo Masamna sword. So Something my, like that. I'm gonna but- my yeah. great apologies to anybody that uh, is, is Japanese or How likes swords or whatever. Sword? Okay, we're just going to so- okay. call it the sword. It's an uh, artifact, and it basically splits light so that you are invisible behind where you actually swoop it. And it is actually, the name is taken from a real sword. Did you know that? I didn't. Enlighten me. I did not. It is actually considered to be a Japanese national treasure and one of the greatest swords ever made. The real-life sword was crafted by Guru Nudu Musabni, who is generally recognized as Japan's greatest swordsmith. It represented the shogunate and was passed from one shogun to another through most of the Edo period. So Ooh, we I know what a shogun Edo. is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they actually did see the Edo period in the, in the show, too. That, that's correct. Yeah. The real sword has been missing since the end of World War II. During the disarmament of Japan, the sword and 14 other swords were handed over to a local police station by their owner, a descendant of the clan of shoguns, and the swords were subsequently handed over to the U.S. Army, but were never seen again. Imagine that. Oh, my God. Another government that can't control those secrets. You know where it probably is? They're probably in the same crate with the... um... Ark of the Covenant? I was just going to say that. I think they're in the bottom of the bunker of Stargate. In that big bunker where all the things are. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But that's real. It's real. And the sword has not been seen since 1945. That's one of the things I actually love about it. It's what keeps me coming back, even though I've seen every one of them, right? They told me earlier, oh, you haven't even watched the episode. I'm like, but do I really? Do I really? Do I really need to watch the episode? No, I need to watch the first five minutes of the opening and understand. And then I got it. (laughs) I don't need to. But (laughs) I love the history about it, because even though the sword is, is, they've got to take something and make it into an artifacty kind of object. But they're normally pulling things from actual history. Like we haven't come across it yet. But you're going to have Edgar Allan Poe's pen. Uh, obviously it was real i mean i love how they do that and that's what really has always always kept me coming back to this series and you know steampunk and <laughs> micah so <laughs> and micah and and jamie and uh <laughs> i know right so there's so many good things micah and hg and- <laughs> yeah but i gotta have micah at the top of the tier there yeah, well, yes, it's kind of like this little triangles, Micah, and then Claudia and Jamie. Okay, so Jamie, Micah, not Joanne, but Micah, Jamie, Micah, or Kat, who is at the top of that pyramid? Uh-oh. Why would you do that? Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Jamie, Micah, or who? Kat. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> I think Ooh. I overloaded her brain. I overloaded the Shannon. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I gotta look. I gotta look at something. Hang on. I can't see that. Is that yeah. cat? Is it? Oh, she, she's pointing at her wall behind her. By the way, cat. That looks like cat. That looks like cat. So cat is at the top of your pyramid. Cat Burrell is the top of my of my. Oh yes, <laughs> okay. yes. See that? That's cat. Cat yes. Burrell, people. Are Micah and Jamie on the same next level, or is one above the other? Micah's next. Oh, really? I thought Jamie would be up there. Yeah. Look, I have always liked Jamie. I do. She smells really nice. She's got a beautiful accent. That's the smell. We've been over the smell before on this podcast. And I do love her a lot, right? I love you. I love you. Cat Burrell liked my tattoo of her, you know? I mean, 
get yourself tattooed you on somebody else. Yeah, you'd like it. I like Micah as a character. I don't really like Joanne as the actress. Right, which is I, why I said Micah, not Joanne. I like HG character more than I like Jamie's character on everything else she does. Including Stalma? No, 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 no. I like Stalma. And I, but, but some of these, I, I didn't like her on Dexter. I didn't like Dexter at all. I didn't like her on there. Did you like her in Agent Carter? Jamie Murray was in Agent Carter. No, in Agent Carter. No, I don't think she was in Agent Carter. Oh, was man. She? All right. Oh, come that. on. You are the Marvel guy. The, Did you just do that? Nah, yeah. I like you her are the Marvel. I mean, you were she was. You in have there. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. How no, no, no. It, it was. I know, I know it was uh-huh. uh, who I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, now I got to look at. She, she was wonderful. In Jamie, mm-hmm. I was thinking of Bridget Reagan, by the way, not Jamie. Oh, she wasn't. In- yeah, there was a there was a British television show she was in. Maybe it was the Drift Drifters. Uh, the th- I'll, I'll, it's one of the first things she did. She was like twenty four years old. That was a great series. I have all of that on. on. So she's she plays a con artist. That's great. I like HG. I like everything about her steampunk background. I like everything about the, the Victorian area. I like that she's brilliant. She's smart. She can keep up with things. I like her passion behind looking for things in her daughter. Jamie as a person to me, she's a bit skinny. She is, she really is way tiny. for thin. Yeah. She, she like tiny and I understand over. the whole body shaming people do when you went she but when she went from playing H.G. Destama, she lost so much weight to do that character because you're half naked the entire time. Get in the bathtub, I get it. But I didn't find it attractive I mean, on her bath anymore. Beats. Bath beats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I enjoyed those bath beats. I would take the poison for so all that. She. Yes. Yes. Carolyn, they're looking at you made yourself blush. It's funny. <laughs> Man. If people have never watched Defiance, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, there's a great podcast about it sometime. What was that called? Something oh, yeah. Called, Voice, you know, Voices of Defiance. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, a pretty, pretty darn fun. good podcast. I, I liked know. it. I don't know. She did, she did enjoy those bath beats a lot. And that warm water. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Even, even with her son, which I found was weird. But okay. Cat Burrell is <laughs> the top of my... Of my <laughs> Cat, cats at the top. So now that we're done talking about the pyramid, I'm I'm getting kind of hungry. Are you getting kind of hungry, Shannon? Depends on what we're eating. Cookies. <laughs> there was no cookies. Oh, no cookies. There was, there no, was cookies. no cookies in this episode. There wasn't even any food in this episode. Like, did they ever have time to eat? I mean, I come on. He didn't eat a single cookie. Needed it already. I know. He must be starving by now. So many good restaurants in D.C. And I want you to both realize how good I was when you asked me what I would eat. Yes. You I did. Sit- you were oh, very, very good. Yeah. See? You, you were pretty good. You you followed that <laughs> one. Even Taco Tuesday. I'm just saying. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah. No... <laughs> cookies your mom watched this whole thing and she's like i can't believe there's any cookies i need to watch this again we did we watched it twice and, and there were no cookies. no cookies no cookies yeah. no cookies no Bummer. cookies but but we did find a phrase that made me think of shannon so when the ambassador to the japanese embassy came in and talked to dickens Dickens, thank you, and said that hey, your your agents are pro- are, are uh, compromised, and uh, he says you need to figure out what to do with this because I don't want to have to do any paperwork. of the paperwork. I knew you were going. <laughs> I don't want to have to do any of the paperwork, and we don't have to want to. You know, we don't want to have to do anything with this. So you need to fix so this. much paperwork. Get so your, much paperwork. Get your guys under control or I'm going to have to do paperwork and you ain't going to like it. I wrote that down as a note to just remind me to say paperwork Shannon. because of Shannon. <laughs> Was yes. that your favorite part? No, no. I don't know what my favorite part would be. I mean, there was I a lot of good 
There were a lot. I mean, the first part was funny where Pete was playing with the sword and he was mouthing words like looking like he's saying Japanese and then just kind of saying, you know, like it used to be an old movie. That's English dub, by the way. So they're actually speaking uh, Asian in these movies and then you just dub over English. Yeah. (laughs) Where their mouth might move like a million times and they just go, hello. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It cracked me up. Uh, You know, just Artie popping up out of nowhere, Mrs. Frederick popping up out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, you really get to see more of what rattles Marty to, or Artie, Marty, Artie. You really get to see long. Marty, take your your kids, (laughs) Marty, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids. (laughs) Out of this episode, I really enjoyed the world building because you really start to get the world building. Mm -hmm. We started really with Claudia, but then. We really get it here, and then we get, when we get them gliding and everything, it's, it's going to be great. But I like the world building of this episode, even though there was no cookies, there was no snagging it, tagging it, and bagging it, other than him saying that. And yep. it, because when when we see the sword in the long cylindrical thing with the purple juice, it's already been neutralized. So there's really mm-hmm. no snagging it, taking it, bagging it in this. But we get McPherson, we get Dickinson, we get Frederick, we get all this sort of stuff. We get, we even get Lena being the man in the chair back in right? the warehouse. Yeah. So all awesome stuff in here. Just no cookies and no snake taking it, Meg. Well, there's also <laughs> you got to remember that McPherson. What did he kill the, the the guy with? Right. So I could tell you, McPherson does have multiple artifacts mm-hmm. that he's been stashing away all this time, all these years, but he's also been making entry, but not him personally. It was so creepy. I've been watching them. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, and okay. So here's a question that I was thinking about when I was watching this. So Ogawa, the guy that's the Japanese, Japanese ambassador. I'm glad I have you guys to keep me in track. Um, so he get he brings the sword and this and he he steals the sword and the suba and gives it to McPherson and gets paid for it. Why the heck didn't he just leave at that point? Why is he still standing there when Artie shows up and then McPherson like chops his head off? Like why didn't he just go so no. Here's the, here's the reason because it's personal because they were partners they were best friends and he wants Artie to know because he's leaving a bread trail for him. No, why didn't Ogawa leave? Like oh. Ogawa got oh, paid. Yeah, he's like he got yeah, paid. All he had to do was throat. turn around and get in all the plane he had and get to do out of was there. Leave and yeah. he could have left with his head attached. No, he stood there. He waited. Artie came in and he's like. Don't move, Ogawa. And then he heard McPherson and he's like, So when's he show up? And that's when McPherson just whacks off Ogawa's head. And I'm uh, like, Yeah, you can't Whoa. leave you can't leave evidence. But I mean, what if it was me, I'd given the guy the thing he wanted, he paid me. I'm out the door. Like right. I'm gone. He, he doesn't want to leave any evidence. It's the same re- reason that he killed Kluger, the electrician, yeah. Eric Kluger. Well, no, I, I I get that part, but I mean I get that part. He would have hunted him down probably eventually, yeah. but why didn't That's the, the guy same just kind of question that leave? you would have? This reminds me of every cheesy, every cheesy eighties horror movie ever, right? Like Friday the <laughs> 13th, right? Like, why does it have to be some yeah. naked, half naked white chick in the middle of the cabin? And in, in, I mean, in the middle of the woods in the cabin with no curtains. You had me at half naked white chick. It's always a half naked white chick. <laughs> You're the one you, stupid you had in the me movie. There. I don't care. I hate horror movies, but you had me right there. Okay. But she's in the cabin in the middle of the woods and nowhere around, but there's not a single curtain on it. And she hears a knock on the door. Next thing you know, who is it? And you get a blade through her stomach, right? She's stupid. That's what that is. Okay. Why would you meet someone in the middle of an empty hangar? Why could you just met in the doorframe? Why could you met outside? Why maybe in the car? Why do I? I would never put myself in the position where I got to meet you someplace. We always meet neutral. I think he had to meet him there because that was like the Japanese spot where he could be not detained or something because he was trying Whoa, to. He, he, he said he was taking it back to Japan because they lost the sword. 
So they wanted this priceless artifact back. That's what he said. And because he's the embassy guy, nobody questioned him. Well, he should have had backup. So sorry. Yeah. But it was cool to see as they're getting ready to leave, you know, and they're going to take him to the airport. Pete's like his, his spidey sense is tingling. And he finally figures out who that person was that he saw leaving the door where the, the sword was. And Micah's picking up on his vibes and going, what do you, see, what are you thinking, Mike? What are you thinking, Pete? Now. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to watch this connection that they're, they're starting to have. And she just kind of looks at him. You know, sometimes she looks at him like she did in the beginning. Must you, you touch everything? There's and then, an episode. And then, you know, this, then at the, the, at the end, she's like, look at him like, what is it, Pete? What is it? I love how they, tr- how she's starting to trust him. I love that throughout the series, you'll start to see more and more of that brother and sister relationship that they have. There's an episode, and I, I don't even remember what season it is. Like, they all blend together after a while, but there's a, there's a part where she looks at him crazy. Like one time he drops cheese on the Fonsworth, and instead of wiping it off, he licks it off. And she's yeah. like, you're like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't take you anywhere. Take there's you anywhere. the five-second rule. He just licked the Fonsworth, and she's like, ew, can't take you anywhere. You're like a dog. Do you know where that thing's been? Yeah, if I had one, I'd lick it. Then you make it yours. If you lick it, it's mine. True. I have that shirt. I have that shirt. I have that shirt, too. It has tacos on it. Mine has stitch on it. A little bit more innocent than mine, but okay. Yes. Mine is a lot more innocent than yours. <laughs> I'm not innocent at all. Like, nope. Like, at all. I think uh, Carolyn is the only innocent one on this podcast, but okay. Pretty much, yeah. I will I will claim that. That's fine with me. Let's see how you stand being around us. Okay. <laughs> We're corrupting her. <laughs> yes. Yes. Slowly, but surely, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other funny part that I thought was when the Secret Service not Micah and Pete were taking the Suva back to the museum Mm -hmm. and the embassy guy was trying to steal it and he had a Tesla and then Pete pointed his Tesla at that Tesla and they fired at each other. All of my brain said was don't cross the streams. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A lot of Tesla energy going on right there. Yeah. Yeah, my brain just said, don't cross the streams. And then that was a lot of uh, electrical energy fired. So I think all around this was a great episode. I still mm-hmm. like Claudia too, but as we go further on, you're always going to hear me say I like the connection that Pete and Mike are starting to have. She trusts him more. And now that she has more reason not to trust Artie, he's about to get an earful. I think she could probably kick his butt, too, if she needed to. But, you know. I mean, she's still dealing with the loss of her former partner. She hasn't yes. worked that yeah. out. So there's a lot of underlying things going on. Which is why she has problems with, I'm not expendable. I'm not a red shirt. That and trust, you know, she's got to be yeah. able to trust. She's got to, she needs all the knowledge so that she can protect the people so she doesn't lose another partner. She needs that knowledge. She needs right. to know what's going on because she has to be able to protect the people that she cares about and she's not getting that from Artie and it's really making her she's like I'm gonna lose somebody else and I cannot lose somebody else again I mean we saw in the last episode she's like I can't lose Pete you know she can't lose somebody else again so she really needs to know all of these things so that she has the whole picture and be able to protect everyone that's really what she needs so Shannon a while back you said you had two favorite moments from the episode Oh yeah, well I've already talked about it because of the red shirt incident that was yeah. that was a good, I love that part. and I and I like the fact that Mike has always been so by the book. She's always been about the rules. She's always been a particular stick in the mud, right, for the rules. But yet now she's wanting to Tesla the agents that are driving her. I thought that was a great moment, right? And he's like, yeah. No, no, I'm not gonna do you realize those are federal you know, no, I'm not doing it. And she's like, Give it to me, give me the gun. So I thought that was a breakthrough moment for her where she's willing to do things for the warehouse job. So I thought it was cool. 
my favorite moment, because I know you're gonna you were just gonna ask me, my favorite moment of the episode was when Pete and Micah were competing where to find the tsuba, and then Pete gets this great idea to call back to the warehouse and he gets a hold of Lena. So it's really between Pete and Micah, and he goes, point Pete or point Latimer. One point more. Latimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point one for Latimer. And Lena simultaneously comes through as I could run this place when everybody else is gone. And, you know, she's just rolling her eyes while, you know, the phone's down and she's looking up the information and stuff. So you you got two things there. You've got the Pete and Micah dynamic going on and you've got Lena showing how cool she is. So that scene was my favorite scene of the whole. That was one of my other favorite scenes, too, because I was like, one point Latimer. You don't realize because they haven't showed it yet, but Lena is just as much as part of the warehouse as, as Artie is because the bed and breakfast, that is a magical place for them, right? They've got... It's Tahiti. And they've got the... It's Tahiti. Yeah. The <laughs> duplicate in the warehouse, right? She runs everything on it. So she knows all the backstory. She's the one person other than Artie that Mrs. Frederick trusts explicitly. Did you guys see as Micah was pissed off at the end in the warehouses, they were putting the sword up. Did you see Micah walk by the rocking chair? chair? Yes. That rocked. I did. What's that? But they didn't tell you which one it is, but that, but what they're showing you is that, it's the energy that they're giving off. It makes the it makes the artifacts. Yeah, active. no more purple showers. It's odd that it had a spotlight on it, right? Like you want to yeah. see the creepiness all the time. <laughs> yeah, like like Annabelle, like the doll Annabelle, maybe somewhere in there, right? By the way, the director for this episode was Vincent Missiano. This was his second and final episode of Warehouse Thirteen. We talked to about him before he directed the second episodes renaissance and this is the last so we we talked about him before of his great career including 11 episodes of agents of shield which i covered over on legends of shield but he has 45 directing credits started in 1998 and this is his second and final episode of warehouse 13 it was written by bob goodman who has 21 writing credits since 1996 a lot of cartoon stuff including the real adventures of johnny quest batman beyond some Superman stuff, some more Batman stuff, but here, and, and most recently 22 episodes of elementary, but here is his first out of eight episodes of warehouse 13, including all the way into season five. So we're going to hear from Bob Goodman along the way. Good. I liked elementary. That was a good show. It was a good show. I liked it too. That she kicked ass. So she did. Yeah. I really like it. It's just cute. So, you know, qualities. <laughs> so I have a question to ask you, Shannon. The next episode is season one, episode eight. Would you like to hear the IMDB or the Amazon Prime summary? I don't know the difference. Well, just choose. Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Amazon. Pete, played by Eddie McClintock, and Micah, played by Joanne Kelly are dispatched to Las Vegas to retrieve an artifact that seems to grant good fortune to a couple of gamblers. But their simple snag it, bag it, and tag it mission gets complicated when Micah accidentally gets trapped in Lewis Carroll's mirror, unleashing the malevolent entity that was trapped inside that season one, episode eight, duped. We're going to stop right there and pause. I love this episode. And you have... (laughs) Your first, I think it's the first crossover from uh, Eureka. Eureka. There are so many gifts on my phone from this episode. <laughs> from this episode. From the this. Next ep- not, not this episode. Of, from the next episode. There's yeah, so implosion. many pictures and gifts that I have in background drops. I, you name it, I have it of this. All right, we'll be covering that next week. Uh, We did take a week off here as I had a vacation, but we will be back at it every week for a while. And Duped is our next one. If you have any feedback, please email us at warehouse13fancast at gmail.com. Once again, warehouse1313, warehouse13fancast 
at gmail.com and it'll go directly into Shannon's email and then she will send it to us just like we had an email. Yes, I was about to say we had we an email did. birthday. We did have an email. It was a birthday email. Uh, where did I put that? Oh, here it is. Man, I gave you so much lead in I and know. you couldn't find it in time. Uh, it was from Jeff. Thank you very much, Jeff. He says, ladies, I hope you have a great birthday this year and congrats, Shannon, on making it through the year. I know, right? I had heard about it through Sean's on WA. Ladies, you didn't scare me away in your opinion of Doctor Who. Everyone's entitled to their opinion of sci-fi. That's what makes sci-fi so fun. While one person might love Star Wars, the other person enjoys Star Trek. They both might love a third. Keep up the great cast. Love always, Jeff. That's Thank you cool. very much, Jeff. I did have a good birthday. Um, I didn't do much, but it was a great birthday. So Shannon's and- is... This come, Friday. Come Friday, I'll make it to my 47th. So, I mean. Dude, we're the same age. I know. And we had the same birthday month. And birthday I, you year. Know it's very sentimental to me this year. Obviously, for obvious reasons, right? I so. I came so close to not making it to my next. Mm-hmm. Twice. So. The fact that I'm still here, the fact that it's only been, what, nine months, almost 10 months since my January 4th was the last time I had my brain surgery. So October 4th would be 10 months. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but yet, look, I have hair. That <laughs> <laughs> I actually, for the first time, I need a haircut because it's getting past the way down into my eyes. So. I am thankful and I appreciate the birthday wishes because I'm here now. Yes. Hopefully Friday I can get enough of my gabapentin out of my system because I definitely want some Long Island iced teas. (laughs) (laughs) I have not been able to handle liquor very often without giving the headaches. Mm -hmm. Baby steps. I will tell you I had a funny moment. Well, I would no, it wasn't a funny moment. It scared the crap out of me. I took a gummy one time, right? I've had them before, and I've had them where they just, they make the headaches go away, kind of, right? They're okay, where I don't have to take my medicine so much. But I had a bad moment, and I felt like everything was happening all over again, except I didn't have pain. Like, I felt, Ooh. I felt like the movement, and going, you know, I've always told you I felt like the water grow from one side to the other. I felt the movement, but I didn't feel pain, and I kept turning my head back and forth. I'm like, am I a pain, or am I just a panic attack? And of course, it was 3 in the morning, which is the time it happened. So, I didn't wake Sean up, but I remember writing notes to myself, remind myself to tell him about this tomorrow. Tell him about this tomorrow. Well. Notes are good. <laughs> it's a crappy trip. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've never had a bad one, but if I was going to have a bad one, did it have to be that feeling? I mean, did it? Did it, <laughs> I felt like I was going to do that all over. I felt like the whole thing was going to happen all over again. And it's three o'clock in the morning, which is my witching hour of when it happened. And I thought I was going to have to wake him up and say, we got to go. But I kept, I was alert enough to like, okay, but I don't feel pain. I just feel movement and weird. So you feel sloshy. Yeah, it was. It was weird. So hopefully I can handle some Long Island iced teas come Friday. Because if I can, I plan on doing lots of them. Because again, I've made it to 47. So I wish you well with that. I am precluded from eating any gummies or edibles or using even CBD oil by my job. So I am, I've never done it before. And I can't wait till I retire because I am going to do it when I retire (laughs) or when the law changes. One of the two. Well, I could tell you. Oh, well, they're about to—they're about to change the law here in Texas. It's not—it's supposed to be. It's not state law. It's federal it's law federal. that I need changed. Yep. Yeah. I could tell you the type that I do is is not big, but Sean did one from beef, yeah. <laughs> and it's not the same. 
<laughs> I heard about that. But anyway, so if you want to get a hold of us, that's our email, warehouse13fancast at gmail.com. And our website, which you can find all our episodes, are warehouse13fancast.com. And also, as long as X remains free, you can find yeah. Carolyn there. Is it yeah, not I'm not paying for that. Oh, Elon's threatening to, in order to keep, cut down on all the bots and all of the things, he's threatening to make X, the app formerly known as Twitter, a paid per paid version of the app. Like, you're going to have to pay for it completely. Is and I'm like, I'm not money? paying for that. Huh. Yeah, I know, right? Is he like, is he wanting to kill the app? Because I'm not paying for that. So as long as it's free, you can find me on X, the app formerly known as Twitter, at Oceans363. I'm just sci-fi girl. So. S-Y-F-Y-G-U-R-L on the X. Yes. X Blue, I believe, is the corporation name. But you can find the ladies over there. They will gladly banter back and forth with you. And I believe you made yes. choose. Why would you make me choose? <laughs> I, would, I didn't make you choose. I was just wondering who's on top of the pyramid. That's not really choosing. That's just who's on top. Cat. <laughs> who's all on right. top. I mean. Yes. We all know who's on top in, in our minds, right? I was just asking her who's on top. Look, you walked into this. I'm a gladly bottom. So I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we're going to see Duped, if you have any comments on that or this, yeah. please let us know. In the meantime, I think that's about us. It for this time. I'm the janitor SP. This is Sci-Fi Girl. And I'm Ocean363. See everybody next Catch time. Catch you later. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for joining us for an episode of the Artie's Attic Warehouse 13 fan cast. You can find all our episodes at warehouse13fancast.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up on our email at warehouse13fancast at gmail.com. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking out lonewolfpodcasts.com. The intro music is Sci-Fi Hybrid Intro by Soundmake, and the outro music is Science Fiction by Tunes2Go. Both were purchased on Pond5.com. <laughs>